Hello and welcome to The Journey. Uh, this is Kevin Polkey and I am uh, wanted to share some more reflections and some more thoughts um, tonight about uh, some things that I've been thinking about over the last uh, probably the last five years or so. Um, a friend of mine, Corbin Tyson, first introduced me to Ryan Holiday's work, um, The Obstacle is the Way. And three years ago, um, it it helped me uh, navigate through a, a, an accident that I had and the healing and recovery process of that. More recently, in the spring of uh, 2020, when the pandemic first hit, um, once again, I, I resorted back to some of the concepts that, that Holiday talked about um, in his book, The Obstacles of the Way, and how I could apply what was currently going on um, regarding uh, the virus and, and how that was impacting my personal life as well as my professional life. And, um, and that seems to uh, uh, continue as the, as the year has, has gone on. But Ryan Holiday's work really was based on um, uh, stoicism and specifically some of the work of Marcus Aurelius. And Marcus uh, Aurelius talks about this idea of as he was uh, meditating on what was going on in his life at the time that he was the emperor of Rome uh, during some of the different struggles that they had, um, this, this concept that came back to him, that this idea that the, the impediment to action advances action. In other words, what stands in the way becomes the way. Even though uh, Aurelius was um, the ruler of, of Rome at that time, it, there was numerous struggles that he was going through. Um, this was at the, the toward the toward the uh, the end of the Romans' um, peak at that time, and there was struggle from internally as well as externally. Um, there was challenges that were going on. Everything from uh, attempt to dethrone him uh, to uh, to constant war and famine going on during that time period, and this idea of um, of how can the obstacle be somehow the teacher? And how can there be answers within the obstacle? There's this old story in particular, it's uh, referred to an old Zen story, but it probably also could be as an Islamic story. It could be a Jewish story. Um, it could be a Sufi story, Native American story, um, Christian story. But in this particular case, it's referred to as an old Zen story. It was about a king whose people had grown soft and entitled. Dissatisfied with the state of affairs, he hoped to teach them a lesson. His plan was simple. He would place a large boulder in the middle of the main road, completely blocking entry into the city. He would then hide nearby and observe their reactions. How would they respond? Would they band together to remove it? Or would they get discouraged and quit and return home? With growing disappointment, the king watched as subject after subject came to this impediment and turned away, or at best, tried half-heartedly before giving up. Many openly complained or cursed the king or fortune or bemoaned the inconvenience, but none managed to do anything about it. After several days, a lone peasant came along on his way into town. He did not turn away. Instead, he strained and strained, trying to push it out of the way. 
Then an idea came to him. He scrambled into the nearby woods to find something he could use for leverage. Finally, he returned with a large branch he had crafted into a lever and deployed it to dislodge the massive rock from the road. And beneath the rock was a purse of gold coins and a note from the king which said, The obstacle in the path becomes the path. Never forget, within every obstacle is an opportunity to improve our condition. I think as I reflect on that story and, and reflect on the teachings of Marcus Aurelius is that um, for me, maybe that is a way to look at all obstacles in our life. Maybe that's the way to when something comes up, uh, maybe it's an illness, maybe it's uh uh, something that's happening with a family member. Maybe it's something that's happening uh, in a personal relationship. Um, maybe this obstacle, this thing that is happening, maybe in some way, instead of just hoping that it goes away or hoping that we can get back to um, normal, maybe it is more a teacher about us. Maybe it's more about um, something that we can learn um, regarding ourselves, a few years ago, um, I was asked to to, uh, to work with a middle school, uh, a couple of middle schools, and work with the staff. And the what they had asked me to come in and teach on was about resiliency and how to develop resiliency. And at this particular um, these middle schools. Um, all the staff was required to come in and go through this training on resiliency. And then all the students were would come through, and we we broke that down into so many students um, per uh, with the teaching. It was the, essentially the same material that I I brought to the the administration staff. The students would get, but we 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 changed it around a little bit some of the language, and then we had the opportunity um, to present some parent meetings as well. The idea behind it was that I wanted. Um, I wanted to be able to have all three groups, the, the administration and staff, um, the students, as well as the parents, they had the same language. Um, so they would have this common language when it came to, in this particular um, situation, the topic of resiliency and, and more importantly, how do, we, how do we develop resiliency? A few months later, um, a teacher who had attended that training um, wrote me, uh, sent to me a story that she wrote. Um, it wasn't to me, but it was a story that, uh, that she wrote. And I'm gonna read that story. Um, so the story is um, called Bunny. What stands in the way becomes the way. Everyone who knows me knows that I love quotes. I'm the ultimate quote gal. My desk is surrounded by quotes. My students get a quote of the week every week. I have a quote for every occasion. I can't begin to tell you how many times I connect a life story, a life event, a story, or a person to a particular quote. So in October of 2017, when I attended a SIP day session led by Kevin Polkey and heard this quote, it stuck with me. I didn't know why, but I knew it would be meaningful to me. Here's the quote. The impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. Marcus Aurelius. I pondered this quote, and for some reason it popped into my head daily for weeks after that. 
I'd been signed what was what has probably been my most challenging group of students ever. And I've been doing this job for a long time. Have you ever seen the movie Paper, Paper Tigers? This is my Paper Tiger class. Almost all have a significant number of ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. Many have suffered pain and loss that is unimaginable. Most struggle with behavior, coping skills, and overall resiliency. I had, I had just begun reading and learning about social emotional learning, trauma, and resiliency. But this group hit the, but this group hit the ground running from day one. It was a trial by fire every day. To put it bluntly, they were hell on wheels. By Columbus Day weekend, when I attended Kevin's learning session on resiliency, I was already exhausted. I teach eighth grade instructional special education. I don't have an ED classroom, yet I was running it as one. I have no training in psychology or social work. Yes, yet I was providing it. I had reached out to our school guidance counselors, our school social worker, and an outside agency called Remedies. All were incredibly supportive and helpful. Yet here I was feeling like it should be March and it was only October. It was, it was destined to be a long, arduous year, or so I thought at this time. My overarching thought every day, multiple times a day, was this. How could I get these kids to learn and achieve while they were dealing with, with the overwhelming pain of just being them? Why me? I was ill-equipped. It wasn't my job. I hadn't signed up for this. The impediment to action advances action. Which brings me to Bunny. Often sweet, funny, adorable Bunny with a million dollar megawatt smile who turned on a dime. You ugly, she would often call out classmates, staff, or a random student passing by. You stupid, you fat, she would venomously spit out as classmates when she got it angry. Prone to verbal and physical altercations, it wasn't unusual for her to require separation from peers who triggered her. At other times, she would withdraw, sitting silently, huge painful eyes leaking, hot tears streaming down her cheeks for no apparent reason. During these episodes, she was unable to speak, unable to articulate what was bothering her so. She sucked her thumb, pulled out her own hair, and would, would often melt down, flinging books and other objects all over my classroom floor, then curling up in the fetal position besides the mess she had just created. I'd like to tell you that I immediately loved her and took her under my wing. I didn't. I argued with her. I ignored her negative behaviors whenever possible, and I gave her consequences, discipline, structure. I frequently vented and fumed to my dear friend and social worker, Melissa. Why do I have this girl in my class? She's a behavior issue. She's babyish and needy and immature. I want a change of replacement. She needs a different program. I want her reevaluated. I can't possibly address all this behavior. And she's low. She can barely read. I was loud and obnoxious and oh so wrong. Bunny needed me. And I didn't know it yet, but I needed her. By the time Fridays roll around, I'm pretty worn out. At the beginning of the school year, it wasn't uncommon to find me crying in my car all the way home. And on one of these Friday afternoons, I turned up my music, began my drive, and started ruminating on Bunny, of all people. Why was she so immature? Why were her emotions so volatile? Why, and why wasn't she able to recover from a setback, no matter how minor it was? How was I going to put up with this for, another, for an entire school year, given some of, 
given some of the other students I had in the mix. And all of a sudden, my quote, what stands in the way, all of a sudden, I got it. I got out of my own head and tried to put myself in hers. She acted babyish. Why? I knew that Bunny had been through trauma as a baby and a young child, extreme trauma that I wouldn't, I wouldn't write about here. Suffice it to say, she had been severely neglected, deprived of food and milk in her mother's arms. She hadn't been loved or cared for or kept safe. Life was unsure, scary, and chaotic. It had been filled with pain and disappointment and unmet needs. I was dealing with a three-year-old and a 14-year-old body. It made sense. What stands in the way? I don't know what she had been exposed to before birth, but I know, but I knew these things about her early life. Cognitively, she was low, probably for all the reasons I just listed. Her memory and retention aren't good, and she truly struggles to process information. That makes teaching her harder, but it makes Bunny's life easier in a way. She doesn't remember a lot of details about her early life. She doesn't have a lot of painful memories about what she's lost, and that such a gift, and that's such a gift to her. She doesn't have to carry all that painful baggage. For her, it's all gone. She's, she's an in-the-moment kind of girl. What stands in the way becomes the way. I literally had chills up my spine thinking about it. I've lectured so many, so many students about how overcoming their struggles made them stronger and wiser. This was different. It was the proverbial light bulb moment. And it mattered. Because when we returned to school the following Monday, Things between Bunny and me had changed. I had changed that fast. It was noticeable. It is literal, it is literally the one and only time in my life that anything has, has ever changed instantaneously. And this is why. I stopped looking at Bunny's issue as stumbling blocks in my way, and I started seeing them as her path to survival. That made all the difference. Once I took myself out of it, I could look at Bunny as a person. What did she need from me, from our class? How could I get her to take ownership of her behavior? How could I help her learn to control herself, open up, and show her sweet side? How could, how could I honor what she had been through without allowing it to become her excuse? Once I started looking at her situation from this perspective, instead of looking at her as a problem that I needed to remedy, it was, it was like magic happened. And I'm old and sometimes cynical, but there is, there is magic. There is, there was, it's called love. My encouragement for all of you and my challenge to, to you as well is to look for those behaviors that upset, anger, irritate you in your students. But then look beyond the outward behavior to figure out the why. How does this behavior, behavior help the student survive? What reward do they get from it? How does it benefit them? The reasons will give you insight. The insight will help you figure out how to use those behaviors positively or replace them with others that are positive. In the meantime, you will grow a bond with your student. You'll be that one teacher who really gets them. What stands in the way becomes the way. As for me, as for me and my little bunny, she comes, she's come miles since the beginning of the year. No more meltdowns, her crying spills are shorter and less frequent. When something upsets her, she's now usually able to process it and put aside so she can carry on with the rest of the day. It's not perfect. We still have a we still have a rough day every once in a while, but there's so many more great days 
then there are difficult ones now. I'm beyond proud of her and all the progress she's made. She's getting ready to complete eighth grade. I'm getting ready to let her go. And the tears I cry now are because I'm going to miss her. Yes, really. She's made me better, more effective teacher, and a better, more compassionate human being. I will always be grateful to her for that. And every day at some point she comes and gives me a hug and it usually goes something like this. Ms. Nash, I love you. I love you too, Bunny. I'm gonna come sit by you. You pretty, the ultimate compliment, meaning she likes me. Thank you so much. Pull up a chair right here by my desk, sweetie, and let's check your work. I'm gonna stay right by you, of course. And Bunny and I found our way. This uh, true life story was written by a, a teacher, um, obviously who teaches eighth grade special ed students. Her name is Jen Nash. Um, I, Jen, I so appreciate you uh, sharing this with me um, a, a while ago. And um, over the weekend, when I was uh, going through some stuff, I came across it and, and reading it, it was like I was reading it for the first time. Um, it, it, the story popped out at me and I haven't been able to get it out of my head. Um, not much different than when I first read um, Holiday's uh, rendition and his take on uh, Marcus Aurelius about the impediment is uh, the impediment that's in our life in itself is the teacher. And, um, and then as I was rereading the story, um, I think Jen did a great job of pointing out um, how we can get stuck in our own way. So for me, um, it's real important that I step back, regardless if it's a business decision, um, if it's a personal decision, if it's working with a client, um, for me to be aware of that what might be getting presented or what might be going on um, maybe the symptom, um, that may be the, uh, metaphorically the smoke and that, uh, that not to get distracted by that aspect of it, but recognize that as we go through and try to clear out the smoke and focus on that, there is something else that's causing that smoke, the problem that the symptoms will guide us, um, but not to get too focused on them. So, if it happens to be with COVID, if it happens to do with financial, if it happens to do with loneliness in a relationship or frustration in a relationship, what is this, what, what is causing me that frustration? How much is that my part to own? How much is it that I need to necessarily hang on and, and, and look at my aspect that's adding to it? And if I step back away from it, and look at the obstacle, not as something that someone else put there to cause me hardship or waiting for someone to come in and, and rescue the situation by magically removing the obstacle instead. How is this an opportunity for me to learn more about myself, um, how I can utilize it to aspire to be um, an improved teacher or counselor or husband, or father, or friend. Um, for me, when I look at a scenario or a situation or what I perceive as being a problem as 
an opportunity to learn or grow. It allows me to be grounded. It allows me then to be, look at more of the open, being more open to other possibilities. And I don't have to be so threatened by it. Concerned maybe because I need to address it, but not necessarily have to be threatened from an aspect of having the distraction of the adrenaline going through my, going through my system um, in this fight or flight. But instead I can look at it going, yes, kind of like in our original story with the king who put, put the boulder in the road. I, it's going to still take me effort to remove that obstacle, but it's more about being innovative and creative to find some tool that I can use to leverage it. Um, and that what obviously is working or I've been trying to make work isn't working. So I need to look at it from a different perspective. Again, thank you very much for being with us today. Um, in the midst of whatever may be on your, on your plate right now, whatever may be going on, um, I think we can learn from those in our past and for those who are taking a, a different perspective and, um, and look at it from an aspect of hardships in our life. How can they be teachers versus villains in our story? Again, thank you for being here with us today, um, and I look forward to having you back on the journey um, soon.